the latest in agricultural media, and some smart conversation. This is the Ag Communicators Network Podcast. Welcome to the Ag Communicators Network Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Navarra. Ryan Tips from Ag Daily joins me on this episode to share his strategies for crafting digital content that prioritizes storytelling and engages followers in critical discussions on all aspects of agriculture. Welcome to this episode of the Ag Communicators Network podcast. Today we have with us Ryan Tips, who is the managing editor of Agriculture and Rural Lifestyle at agdaily.com. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you for having me, Katie. I appreciate being here. We are looking forward to um, hearing a little bit about how you started Egg Daily and um, what social platforms you continue to use and um, share some of your insights into social media and the latest trends. Great, I'm looking forward to talking about it. Great, can you start us off with a little bit of your background? Yeah, so I was born and began my career in media in Northern Indiana. So I did very much grow up around kind of the corn and bean environment. Um, I ended up moving to Virginia, uh, met my wife here, and um, we started a small uh, garlic farm uh, in the western part of Virginia. Um, and it was kind of here in Virginia that I learned a lot about sort of a diversification of crops. Um, I've seen one place say that Virginia is the most diversified state in the U.S. in terms of what kind of agricultural production it has. So it's given me a lot of opportunity to see, um, you know, the larger farms in the Midwest, but also get a lot of nice exposure to a lot of different things. And, um, and this inspired me to go back to, to grad school. And, um, and I got a master's degree in agriculture and life sciences with the intent to hopefully become uh, an, a full-time ag journalist. Um, and I've been doing ag journalism now for about a decade. And it was uh, five years ago uh, this year, actually, we're going to be celebrating our five-year anniversary in July that uh, I was uh, hired by a company called Carbon Media Group to launch Ag Daily. Um, And we launched as a digital-only publication uh, with the intent very specifically to be a force on social media, to you know, this was, this was a time when, you know, 2015, 16 was a time when Facebook was really getting uh, rolling pretty well. Um, but it was also kind of becoming a, a potential source of misinformation in a lot of ways, especially as it pertained to agriculture. And, and uh, uh, the company that kind of hired me and had me found Ag Daily and really kind of get it off the ground and, and continuing now uh, really wanted me to find a way to, to bring insightful content, engaging content, and to really kind of reach both farmers and the public about the realities of agriculture and, and doing a lot of uh, large scale agriculture, but also doing small scale and, and kind of bringing a, a diversified and, and just a very varied viewpoint uh, about the industry. And so we launched Ag Daily, uh, like I said, July of 2016. Um, it, we looked for as many innovative ways as we could to uh, reach an ag audience. We you know, started creating content that was you know, trending, timely, was very snackable, um, very mobile optimized. And 
that's really been kind of uh, that coupled with how we're engaging on social media has really been uh, uh, the backbone of what we've been doing. That's definitely an interesting uh, model for a startup. Um, what advantages do you feel that that has given Ag Daily? Um, we can pivot very easily. Um, we, we can be very flexible. Um, I've certainly got a, a content calendar built out. Um, currently, it's out for the next two months. Um, but if I need to uh, bump a topic and hit something that's that's really trending or a some sort of breaking news item or just um, something that might happen in, in politics that needs to be uh, approached very quickly, um, as a digital platform, we, we can do that pretty easily. Um, I shouldn't say easily. We, 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 can, we can incorporate it uh, maybe a little bit easier than um, uh, some other uh, uh, outlets are able to. And, and I've been in, in print media uh, for a long time prior to Ag Daily. Um, and, and it's been, uh, it's been sort of refreshing to, to not have, uh, to not have to wait on, on getting certain pieces of content out there and to really kind of addressing issues as quickly as possible and getting some conversations started as quickly as possible. Sounds like it's a great way to engage your followers and, and the audience that you hope to reach. Yeah. I was curious what, um, social platforms you're currently using and why, um, you feel they serve your mission. Facebook's really been sort of the heart and soul of our of our growth over the last five years, um, and I understand you know it's not everybody likes Facebook, um, and certainly not everybody loves Facebook, um, but it's it really does bring together a few um, of the key aspects of social media, which means you know it's very clickable um, for whatever you're putting out there. Um, pieces can genuinely go viral on Facebook and you have, uh, you know, you can create a sort of a real time discussion um, in a lot of ways. And so it, it just the way that it marries all of those, those aspects makes it a pretty uh, good platform for getting out agriculture content and cross-linking various agricultural um, uh, social media accounts and, and kind of bringing all the pieces together. Um, that said, you know, we, we do use Twitter as well. Um, uh, Twitter is, I've always viewed Twitter as being a little bit better in terms of sort of a breaking news aspect and, you know, just, just real time conversations, probably even more so than Facebook, um, because you can, you can bring in sort of a wider audience that, uh, with hashtagging that Facebook, Facebook sometimes uses hashtags, but not as, uh, not as effectively. And, um, so even though like, for example, Ag Daily itself is a digital platform and we can get things posted, um, we're probably not gonna have as immediate and as broad of a reach as posting something to Twitter is and starting a conversation there. Twitter is a, a little trickier with, uh, you know, people not having to use their real names or, or I don't wanna say the profiles are fake, but you don't necessarily always know who's behind them. It's a, I find it's a little harder to get verified on, on Twitter, uh, at least from my perspective. Um, Facebook, I do like that we, you know, we have real accounts. And while there are some, certainly some fake profiles on Facebook, most people, uh, especially the people that we are engaging with, um, you know, that's their, their real name and their real faces on their, their profile photos and stuff. So um, Twitter is just a little more, it's got a little bit more of a Wild West vibe to it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and uh, the tricky thing too, and this, is, this goes for, for both of them and it all depends on what you like, is you know, Twitter, at least for a long time, was 
chronological in its feed. And so it just took a lot of energy to stay abreast of conversations in Twitter. Facebook, you know, this is the part that people don't like is it has its algorithm and it serves what it thinks you should see or like to see. And it, and it tries to make its educated guesses. And, um, and Twitter for a long time was, was just the, the chronology uh, or chronological order of, of the conversations. And so you, you would, you take an hour, step away for an hour during a breaking news event, you can miss so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that that's, and, and that's why um, actually my staff, uh, or my associate editor is the one who runs our Twitter account. Um, I personally don't do as much on Twitter because, um, because just because of the, the energy it takes. And, uh, and I very much admire the people who can go all in on Twitter. I mean, there are certainly uh, lots of people who do Twitter very, very well and, and kudos to them because that's, that's, uh, that's a very hard platform to uh, continuously engage on. We also do uh, Instagram uh, a lot. Uh, again, my associate editor is the one who uh, who does a lot of the Instagram stuff. Um, uh, she's uh, a couple of years out of college and and is is just has been awesome with the uh, with Instagramming. Um, we're almost up to ten thousand uh, Instagram followers, which uh, uh, kind of opens up some new possibilities in terms of uh, article linking and things like that. But um, but that's been Instagram's just a fun place to go. Honestly, I personally spend a ton of time on Instagram on my own personal feeds um, and kind of exploring some things that, that just sort of away from agriculture. And uh, I'm a, I'm a runner and, um, and I follow a lot of running profiles and, and, and I like seeing, there's just so much to see on Instagram. And I really love that, uh, uh, that platform. We do some stuff on LinkedIn. Um, uh, we also have uh, a MeWe account. Uh, MeWe was one of those platforms that had gotten a lot of popularity uh, shortly after the 2020 election um, with a lot of people who were kind of wanted to leave Facebook. Um, but we've had a MeWe, we've had a verified MeWe account for a couple of years now, sort of when it first really started getting going in the U.S. And in a sense, it's sort of a, a Facebook light, but it doesn't really uh, do your fa- your feed based on algorithms. It's more, it tries to serve everything to everybody. Um, and then we've got some Pinterest stuff. We certainly do some YouTube stuff. Um, we haven't ventured into to Parler or um, some of the others yet though. Mm-hmm. Well, that actually leads into one of the questions I had for you is, you know, it seems like there's a new platform every few months or at least every six months to a year, you know, from TikTok to the Clubhouse app. Um, how do you evaluate what platforms might make the most sense for your uh, business model rather than kind of chasing the shiny new tool. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely tempting to chase that, that uh, the, the shininess of something that's new. Um, But the, you know, it's a, it's a resource allocation aspect. Um, We have a very small staff, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of contributing uh, freelance contributors to our site. But as far as, you know, paid staffers, we're, we're, you know, full-time paid staffers, we're, we're pretty small. Um, so for us, it's a, it's a little easier to identify, okay, we just simply don't have the resources to, you know, put toward X platform. Um, and, uh, and especially as they're, they're so small, um, you know, we, we know that the, the, the audiences, uh, you know, they're, they're just not there. And, and it's, it's, for us, it's a pretty simple uh, ROI that we're not, we're not getting our, our value back. 
Um, that said, one thing that we've tried to do a lot of is, is partnering with people who are great on some of these platforms. Um, one of our contributing writers uh, is on um, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok is Food Science Babe. And she is just absolutely nailing everything with TikTok. It is, it's awesome. She's making fun videos. They're engaging videos. Her audience is just, is just eating it up. And, um, you know, we've been partnering with her for a few years and uh, even before she got on to, to TikTok and stuff. But, um, you know, it's kind of reaching out to those experts in those fields. And even when we first launched Ag Daily, um, we brought on uh, Michelle Miller, who's more well-known in the ag space as Farm Babe. Um, and, you know, we brought her kind of in, into the, into our, uh, platform and, uh, you know, hired her to do some regular writing and regular contributing in a, in a variety of ways. But she was, you know, at the time she was one of the biggest, you know, advocates on Facebook. And so, um, you know, rather than us putting our own resources towards some of these new platforms, we kind of, kind of keep an eye out on who else is already doing it well and, and seeing where we can kind of work with them on it and, and kind of grow the whole benefit for agriculture itself. That definitely sounds like a, an effective use of resources. And, you know, we're all constricted by budgets, sometimes shrinking budgets these days. So it sounds yep. like a great way to amplify a message that's already out there that, that aligns with your core mission. Yep. Um, I'm curious, you know, if you think back to the work that you've done um, through your time there, um, do you have a favorite story or post that comes to mind of something that you feel really resonated with your audience? There are a couple. So I want to say that it's probably more um, in terms of long-term social media, it's, I would say it's more of a series that really kind of has resonated with me. And it was um, the first year we launched um, that fall, we went to the national FFA convention and expo. And that was the first time I'd ever been there. Um, I grew up in 4-H, but not in FFA. And um, so I'd never gotten to see what the, what the FFA convention was like. But after that, we kind of set our sights on doing a weekly FFA article. And we post a new FFA piece every Monday, um, uh, every week of the year. And um, that in itself has you know, our audience has come to expect that. And that's, that's one of the great things about social is, especially if you can kind of get into a cadence and kind of uh, get an audience to understand what to expect from you. Um, they know to look for a, an FFA piece every Monday morning. And um, that overall has just done great for our social engagement, for building a core younger generation audience. Um, so that's not a single standout post, but that is sort of a, a series, a, a very, very long-term theme that we've been doing now um, that, has, that has really helped. And, um, and periodically we do some, some really nice enterprise pieces uh, that do very well in social. Um, one thing I'll mention is uh, in early March, we published an article on um, kind of tapping into the, uh, the social justice trend right now on, um, uh, black farmers and what it means to be black in agriculture and, um, and kind of where um, that community is gonna be moving forward. And, and it, was, it was a very long, uh, very in-depth you know, in piece, but that did very nice on social for us um, 
for not being a, you know, a quick hit snackable article. Um, and because uh, it was it was sort of a sort of a, a game changer, really, in terms of uh, the discussion that was already out there. Um, we've done some stuff on cancel culture as well, which kind of, again, taps into sort of the, a movement that began in 2020 and kind of tied in agriculture to it. And those kind of things have done very well because our audience, uh, even though we do hit the public um, on Facebook and Twitter to an extent, um, for the most part, we're talking to farmers or young farmers or people who are in the ag industry in some way. Um, and so kind of tying some of these trends into uh, themes that are specific to agriculture and kind of kind of uh, showing how it all connects has been uh, has been really good for us on on social and are some of the posts that really kind of jump out at me. I'll definitely look for some of those links and put them in the show notes so that we can point okay. listeners to to look at those two series and see what you're doing there. Great. It sort of reminded me you said you know that even though you do touch sort of the mainstream audience that your core followers are folks in agriculture. I'm just curious, um, do you find any pushback or negative feedback um, that can certainly occur in some of the larger discussions or does your follower base tend to be pretty, you know, agreeable to what you're putting out there? Oh, there's, there's definitely dissent, no doubt about that. Um, and that's, that's part of it. Um, I, I would be disappointed if we were entirely an echo chamber. Um, you know, whether it comes to uh, talking about biotechnology and agriculture, uh, whether it comes, we're talking about race and agriculture, or um, even, even things like uh, mental health and agriculture. You know, if we, if we say that there's a stigma on mental health, we, you know, we, we'll get pushback of, of, well, what does it mean to, you know, are we stigmatizing it more by, by even saying something like that? Um, you know, there, there's, there's always this, this constant conversation. And, you know, I, ideally we're trying to put out balanced news articles that, um, you know, aren't, we, we do take a side on, on some things. We do have some, some viewpoint articles and editorials and things like that where, and columns where we are taking a side. But a lot of our stuff, uh, most of our stuff, is just straightforward, putting the information out there, trying to bring all the sides together. And, um, and yeah, I mean, social media is where people have opinions. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely some pushback. Um, we have some, you know, extremely pro-genetically engineered food type people. And then we have some very pro organic anti-GMO type people. And, and they certainly butt heads. We've soil health is one of the, the huge topics where people um, kind of collide on, on our page. And, and that's great. We love seeing the discussion. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we want social media to be. I mean, the, the worst thing a Facebook page can be is a link factory. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we want to, you know, we want to kind of put out different types of content, whether it's video, photos, memes, or links. But we also don't want to put something out and have people comment, and then we just kind of sit on the sidelines. Um, I mean, the best thing for us is to get in there and have a discussion because, you know, it's if we're not doing that, it's not a dialogue on social media. It's 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 a, it's one person having a monologue and another person having a monologue, and you're not taking what the other people are saying, digesting it, growing from it, evolving from it, and using that to you know create a, a 
intelligent an intelligent reply to them. And so, um, yeah, when there is dissent or when people do push back on things, we you know we jump into the discussion. We um, you know it's I'm usually the one running our Facebook page, and so I'm. Uh, I'm commenting in there usually trying to comment as Ag Daily itself, though sometimes I'll comment as uh, my own personal Ryan Tips account. Um, but I think that does, I mean, that does well for a variety of reasons. I mean, I think it's, it spurs a discussion. It gives legitimacy to us as a news outlet that we're not just trying to be any sort of uh, click site or clickbait or just trying to trying to draw people to our advertising or anything else like that. We're actually trying to engage and trying to make agriculture a better space. Dissent can sometimes be uncomfortable. What advice do you have for folks who are engaging in social media to, to respond and encourage these conversations while leaning into the discomfort that they might experience? Yeah, there's there's no question that it's uh, that it's an uncomfortable space to be in sometimes, and there are certainly some topics, um, especially when you get into anything uh, political, that's going to be very uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, it it sounds almost rudimentary, but you know, keep an open mind and just just listen to what other people have to say. Um, you don't have to respond to everything that you disagree with. Um, uh, you also don't have to respond to everything you do agree with, and um, you know, sometimes, even though it is social media, um, you can you can let some other people have some conversations and just and see how it develops and see if you uh, can pull out anything that can help you grow in a in a different way. Um, and because that's 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 the best part about social media and some of these conversations and following certain sites is that you know it gives you the opportunity to see a world that you you know have never really been exposed to. I mean, everybody's got their own different perspective. And I even mentioned in the beginning is that I grew up in Northern Indiana around corn and beans and coming to Virginia, I kind of got exposed to peanuts and cotton and dairy and, and more beef cattle and even horses and hay and things like that. Things that I never, you know, really knew anything about. And I don't want to assume going into a conversation that I know everything about everything. Um, it's a very positive experience to be in a it's a positive growth experience, personal growth experience for somebody to be in an, in an environment where they are uncomfortable. Uncomfortable is good. Embrace the discomfort of it all. And you will probably come away with, with a new worldview. And it's up to you whether you want to apply that worldview or not, or that insight on a particular topic. Um, but at least if, if, if you're entering that space, um, I, I think it's going to benefit you in the long run. I have to agree with you. Learning about the diversity in the agriculture industry is one of my favorite parts about being in the industry. Um, I grew up mostly in the horse side of things and on a family farm with retail greenhouses and market vegetables. Um, but through experience with ag media, you know, I've gotten into dairy and beef and ag tech, and it's really fascinating to learn all the different um, iterations of the industry. Yeah, I mean, if you can keep an open mind for it all, it's 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 amazingly fascinating and, and you just kind of want to keep soaking up more. For sure. You talk a lot about your, your training, your experience as a writer and in journalism. Um, and that's, you know, an important fundamental skill to what you're doing, but what other unique skills do you see as being important to manage social media, um, the way that you're doing so? 
you know, it really truly does take a specialized skill set to be a social media manager, what, no matter what platform you're working on. Um, and I, you know, like I said, I was in very traditional newspaper media for a long time, and and I understand that it's, uh, you know, there there is a there is a wonderful kind of uh, old guardness to that, um, um, but there is also a lot of value in these folks who who can just adapt to everything social media is doing, whether it's an algorithm change on one of the platforms, whether it's understanding that social media is not a nine to five job. Um, you know, I'm replying to uh, Facebook messages and other comments and stuff on weekends at nights um, as my kids are brushing their teeth before bed. Um, you know, you have to be very, very flexible to, to be able to, to work in this kind of space. Um, and, uh, and you also have to be, you know, you mentioned the sort of dissenting opinions and, and, and comments that are out there and, and they're always gonna be out there. Um, and, and you have to do have a, a fairly thick skin to be able to uh, respond to them, respond to them in a level-headed type of way um, and to, to not, uh, you know, it's, it's great to be emotional, but you don't, want the, you don't want your emotions to get carried away. You, you do need to be kind of grounded in some of these responses. And, and that can be hard for a lot of people. Um, but on a more sort of tangible, practical level, being a social media manager means being able to, you know, function in Photoshop and being able to create, you know, at least some basic videos, whether you're using your, your smartphone or whether you have a small video camera or something like that. Um, it's being able to understand how um, Facebook auto-generates captions and what parts you need to edit. And, uh, um, and there's a lot of just very practical knowledge that needs to go into being uh, great and succeeding on social media. And if somebody listening today, you know, it's, has aspirations to do work similar to this, what advice would you give them um, to being able to develop some of those skills that you just mentioned? Being familiar with a lot of different platforms uh, is great um, and understanding how they all work independently, but if you do them right, can sort of cross-reference each other. Um, you know, you can post Facebook links in uh, various other platforms. Um, uh, you know, sometimes you can look through a, a, your Facebook feed and the, the, whole, uh, the whole feed is screen grabs of, of uh, funny or interesting tweets. I mean, you know, there's so much cross-pollination between all of these different platforms. Um, and so just, you know, you don't have to be a pro in every nitty gritty element of these platforms, but knowing the basics, knowing what kind of audiences they reach, knowing demographics, whether it's, you know, age or gender or professional demographics that a lot of these uh, platforms reach, um, because the people who are on Twitter are not going to be the same people who are on Pinterest or um, spending most of their time on LinkedIn. Um, uh, and especially if you're for example, if you're trying to reach somebody who works at the USDA, odds are you might, you'll be better off reaching them on LinkedIn because that's more of, a, of an acceptable platform for a professional to be operating on rather than um, having, a, having a Facebook account in, in some respects. Um, and just, just kind of knowing where 
where each platform succeeds and where each one does have some shortcomings. You mentioned, you know, sort of having an intuitive skill for finding fun um, video clips and photos to, to share and things like that. Um, and of course, we're going to encourage all of our listeners to go and follow Ag Daily. Um, but I was curious, you know, who or which sites you follow as Ag Daily and would recommend other folks get engaged with as well. Um, yeah, so on Facebook, um, a couple of my favorites um, would be uh, TDF Honest Farming, uh, just Derek Josie, who does tons and tons of great uh, dairy-related video content. Um, he's he's just a great spokesman for our industry, and uh, and he does it in an in a in an engaging and a consistent way. Brandy Buzzard uh, Frobos, who has Buzzards Beat on Facebook, she does a great job. She's um, she's been on national news channels uh, talking about beef and and just seeing how she brings um, some of her advocacy back to to the Facebook platform is is awesome. Um, she's great on Twitter as well. Um, Farm Babe, obviously, I, I mentioned earlier in the in the podcast that. She was somebody we reached out to because she was already doing such a great job on Facebook and she still does a great job on Facebook. She's very active on Twitter. Um, she's She turned us on last year to one of what ended up being one of our, well, what was our biggest article that we've ever published um, was something based on something she had tweeted. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's nice, uh, nice to see some of that stuff kind of come together. Um, no ideas media, um, which isn't entirely ag specific, um, but that's Nick Syke, uh, who's the son of uh, the Canadian agriculturist uh, Robert Syke. He's um, uh, no ideas media does a does a great job of talking science, which we love science on Ag Daily. But uh, no ideas media talks a lot of science. A lot of it's agriculture, not everything, but a lot of it is. Um, and then we like to follow sort of the, some of the policy sites, like we want to see what the American Farm Bureau is doing and, and stuff like that. Um, if I can plug some on Instagram that we really like too. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Food Science Babe, who I mentioned earlier, who's who's absolutely crushing it on, on Instagram and does a lot of um, misinformation de debunking uh, on her platform and, and kind of taking other people's posts and circling exactly what's wrong and kind of highlighting those on her, her Instagram page. She's really awesome. Um, the Grateful Farm Wife is an amazing advocate uh, for agriculture. She's on the pork board and some other organizations. And so it's fun to follow her. Um, Mary Pat Sass, who used to be a millennial farm wife. Um, that's what her, her name used to be until she switched it. She's a great advocate. Um, the Tulips uh, are, are really cool. They're sort of a women empowerment um, uh, sister uh, duo who, um, you know, they'll, they'll post a lot of sort of fashion shots of them kind of highlighting the aspect that you can, you can dress nice, you can be very confident in yourself and everything and that, but you can also still be a farmer and it kind of gives a very diverse look at what it means to be a farmer. They, they, they are real farmers on a big farm. They get dirty and stuff, but then they, they, they also, um, you know, just, just the way that they kind of come together on their Instagram page is, is, is really awesome. And we featured them on Ag Daily before, but they're a lot of fun to watch. Um, and I think those are kind of the biggies that, that jump out at me from Instagram. 
Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I have been making a list here and we'll be sure to include it in the show notes. Um, and I look forward to checking those out. It's always nice to see different perspectives um, from, from all those folks that you mentioned. Yeah, we absolutely enjoy them. Yep. I was just curious, you referenced, um, I believe it was an article that originated from a farm babe tweet. I was just curious which piece that was that was your highest performing to date. Yeah, so that was um, last summer when Burger King came out with their somewhat offensive uh, video about agriculture. And it was uh, their intent at the time was to highlight some sort of preliminary lemongrass research and how that can reduce cattle emissions. But they, they really jumped the gun on, on getting that out there. And, uh, and the video, yeah, it showed kids in gas masks on farms and kind of had a redneck farmer stereotype to it. And it was just, it was extremely irreverent. And um, I, I straight up, I'll admit I hated the video. And, um, and so, um, Farm Babe posted about that and, and tagged Burger King in her post. And she let me know that it, that, you know, she had just tweeted something out in response to it. And I wrote an article about it and it turned out that a lot of people involved in the research were also very unhappy with Burger King's article. And so we, we wrote, you know, we, we kind of brought in the, the scientific aspect of the livestock industry is already doing so much. And, you know, we're, everybody's kind of tired of hearing the livestock industry being the one vilified when it comes to carbon emissions, when there's such a small piece of the bigger picture where that includes transportation and electricity and everything else. Um, and so we wrote a piece and it ended up with over a million views, uh, page views on just that one. Um, this was back in June, but then Farm Babe followed it up with, at least two articles of invite of reaching out to Burger King, having a conversation with Burger King. And then beyond that, she invited the Burger King marketing chief marketing officer, the one who spearheaded the, the video and as well as the video production company out to various Wisconsin and Iowa farms and had them see real agriculture firsthand because before they made the video, they admitted, yeah, we don't know anything about agriculture. We don't know that much at least. And so um, that tweet, our initial article kind of prompted a, a kind of longer running um, positive response from Burger King um, and, and actually got them to, to say, hey, okay, maybe we didn't do it quite right. We want to learn from farmers. And so the whole discussion, um, that was, it was just a great example of, of a company, of a brand hearing, listening to farmers and adapting how they are going to do things in the present and in the future. That really is a, a meaningful impact. I'm going to go check it out and, and uh, read a little bit about what was posted last summer. And it's, I, I remember seeing the video and I think I remember seeing her original um, post because I do follow her and mm-hmm. did not know, or did not realize that it had also evolved um, throughout the summer. So what a testament to the good work that can take yeah. place with this, with uh, sh- social platforms. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was, it was great to see how all that evolved. Yep. We've covered a lot today um, from how you got into social um, platforms and, you know, sort of how you make decisions about different platforms and posts that you make. Is there any other advice that you'd like to offer listeners before we wrap up today? Yeah, it's simply don't be afraid to try new things. Um, Most people have heard about AB testing or, you know, posting, doing one article one way, posting another article 
you know, the same topic, but in, uh, in a different way and kind of seeing which one resonates with the audience. Everybody's audience is going to be different. Everybody's demographics are different. What their audience expects from the platform or from the, from the news outlet or the blogger or whoever is creating the content, all the expectations are different. What works for me may not work for, um, you know, another news outlet. Um, and it may not work for some other freelance writer out there when they're trying to pu publish their content. Um, you know, we talked about being uncomfortable in a conversation, be uncomfortable at times on social media too. Um, you're only going to learn from it. You're only going to grow from it. And, um, and that's been, you know, that's how we've, you know, we've ended up being pretty successful on social media. Um, we've tried a lot of different things and, and we still, even to this day, we incorporate some very serious things into our social media posts, but we also sometimes have a lot of fun and do some lighthearted stuff and, you know, slap a few emojis into a social media teaser on Facebook or, or on Twitter and, um, and doing that kind of thing. I mean, it's sometimes it goes outside our comfort zone, but you know, it, it works with our audience and, and it really gets people uh, engaging and really gives us a voice because once you really have a voice on social media, um, you know, giving yourself a voice and sort of a, sort of a face of your platform. And again, just not being this factory that, pushes out link after link after link without ever really engaging. If you can bring a voice and a conversation to a social media platform, it's, it's going to work out for you. Well, thank you for sharing your advice and expertise. I look forward to, um, you know, following your work and the work of the others that you've mentioned and hope that our, our listeners will as well. Well, thank you, Katie. This has been, this has been great. I've loved uh, being able to talk about it and, and uh, um, yeah, I'm always open to any questions anybody ever wants to ask. And what is the best way to get a hold of you if they have questions? Um, like I said, I manage our Facebook account. So if you Facebook message uh, Ag Daily Media on Facebook, um, you'll you'll pop into my inbox. Um, my email is rtips at agdaily.com. That's a great way to reach me too. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. This has been an Ag Communicators Network podcast. Thanks for listening. And please visit us online at agcomnetwork.com for more great content.